today on Ready to Lead. I believe the European culture has it figured out. Guess what, my friends? They've been around a lot longer than the American culture has been. And somehow they're still healthy and thriving and their economies are strong and it's, it's all good. Now, I get I'm speaking in generalizations, but I think there's something to be learned from a culture that who knows how to rest and when to rest, who knows how to prioritize, who works to live, doesn't live to work. And, and we have some things, in my opinion, a little bit backward, which create burnout, which create fatigue, which create a whole bunch of fear and scarcity, which doesn't enable us to become our best versions of ourselves, both at work and at home. So this is all part of the conversation of how, how do we create that within our own minds and with our own teams versus always go, 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 go. Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. I'm your host, Richard Lindner, and joining <laughs> me, as always, the lovely, the talented, the ever-smiling, the sometimes giggling professor of happiness, the one and only Jeffrey Mask. Jeff, welcome wow. to the show, and thank you. <laughs> I like that you always start with lovely. <laughs> yeah, you're oh. lovely. Uh, you're just lovely. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're awesome. I'm excited for today. Well, wait, what else is new? I think I'm. I was going to say. <laughs> you just told me As what I always to. started with, and then <laughs> went into what you always start with, uh, and I'm not going to give you that one. All right. I'm going to call I you to the mat. Tremendously grateful for what we will cover today, because <laughs> I believe the listeners, as they listen, will go, "This is exactly what I needed." So. That's why. I agree. So what is this magical thing you ask? Well, for us and our listeners and friends here in uh, the United States, we are gearing up for Thanksgiving. And it's, you know, for me, it's it's an exciting time. It's also the kickoff of the holiday season. And as leaders, boy, can this be loaded with danger and all types of pitfalls. Today on, on this episode, we're going to go through and break down what it means to lead through the holiday seasons, to lead through the distractions, to lead through uh, still needing to get things done, to lead through the different, you know, the, the, the different beliefs or cultural backgrounds of the people you're charged with leading. It is it, it can be exhausting, but it can also be very, very rewarding. So we're going to break that down today. And, I, and I'll just share with you as a leader, I've kind of entered into the holiday season and said, you know what? I'm going to take pretty much everything on and I'm going to make sure that I give my team the gift, the gift of time with their, their family, time with their loved ones, time to recharge. Now you may be hearing that and going, wow, what a great guy. That sounds like just a truly generous and selfless act. It wasn't, it wasn't at all. <laughs> it was, it came from a place of wanting that, but it really was a bit of a, a savior kind of complex, a bit of a hero complex. Savior's the wrong wrong word, but it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot about me. And at the end of the day, what happened was I got incredibly resentful. I became incredibly resentful of the team um, that I had gifted focus for not helping me. Wow. Hmm. 
not feeling so generous or selfless now, am I? Then on the flip side as a leader, I've entered into this and said, but wait a second, I'm in charge. And doggone it, I'm important. I deserve, uh oh, you know, it's going to be good when you lead with I deserve. Uh, I deserve this time with my family. I deserve some time to to relax uh, and, and recharge. So you know what? They're going to take care of it all. All the same things happened. We just reversed the roles. So I don't believe that I maliciously did. In fact, I know that I didn't maliciously enter into any of those different roles or, or different ways that I reacted to the holiday season. But I know both of them failed miserably. And my mm -hmm. guess is that plenty of you either have or are about to do one of those two. So this episode, we're going to break down how to go into the holiday season and make sure that the key initiatives, those, those critical tasks and goals of the company still get accomplished. But the workload is not given to one side of the workforce or the other. That instead of, you know, instead of 100% delegation or 0% delegation, we find a way to focus on the critically and truly important tasks, do them together as a team, and actually build that trust and bonding. But at the same time, we give the gift of, of, of recharge to ourselves and to our teams because that's important. The whole deal is focusing on what's important and, and basically avoiding resentment. So we want to break down exactly how to do that uh, in this episode. And I, uh, as Jeff said to start this episode and every other, I am very excited. So Jeff, <laughs> walk us through it. Like I shared a little bit of my just generic mistakes and holidays. Any, any stories that hit you or that really have a, you know, an anchor to either your uh, heart or brain? Oh yeah. Too many, especially what not to do. What I found it, there are, there are certain roles in companies that when it comes to say end of month and end of quarter and end of year, AKA revenue producing roles, those can notoriously be very difficult times and tough to balance. You, you've got to, you know, you're at the end zone, trying to make it happen, trying to, trying to hit the goals. So, so I've definitely lived that also for sys, sys admins, anyone operating systems and, and, the, and all the technology behind the scenes that humans typically don't think about. And when you are the one on call, that's, ha that's hard to do during holiday seasons as well. But I've learned what, you know, some things to do and not to do. Here, here's one story of what not to do. I was in a new role. I was uh, in a company where my brother was the CEO. And so I had kind of this same last name issue. And I wanted to make sure my results spoke for themselves. So I went home and said to my wife, look, during this holiday season, I'm just going to plow through. I'm, I'm, I've got to, I've got to be present. I've got to make sure our goals are hit and I need to make sure that there's no favoritism or no anything going on. And I'm going to make sure our, my results speak loudly, but I promise you at the first week of January, I'll take time off and we will definitely have an awesome holiday together. So she, you know, said, okay, you know, wasn't, wasn't excited about it, but, but somewhat understood. So I pushed and pushed and pushed and didn't take a lot of time off for any of the holidays. In fact, not much time at all. And quote unquote, had something more important to do because I had to prove myself. Notice the undertone of that. Well, come December 31st, I'm in my office. We're kind of wrapping up and I had a, a new individual who had kind of been working with us who that day had been hired and came into my office and said, listen, I start January 1st and the last couple of companies that I've worked with, I've worked with a family member of the CEO and they ended terribly. 
Three of them ended terribly. This is my fourth. You tell me, how is this going to end? And I was like, oh. So, yeah. So, you know, thankfully I had my wits about me in the moment. And I said, well, I'll tell you one of three things that was likely happening in those scenarios. One, there was either pride and ego going on or two, entitlement, or three, tons of apathy and laziness. The good thing in this scenario is I promise you, none of those three ingredients will be present with me. So you tell me how it's going to be. And they smiled and said, oh, I was just playing with you. And I was like, yeah, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't playful. That was a, a very strong nod. So guess what? That was December 31st. I went home and said to my wife, I am so sorry I can't take off the first week of January because now I have a new boss and I have to reprove myself again. And it just never quite felt caught up because I was quote unquote always proving myself and realized, oh. And so I learned a hard lesson as a leader. Don't make the situations at work tell you that that's going to be more important than your family or your priorities that, you, that, you, that are most important to you over time. Nor tell yourself, well, it's just for the season. And then, you know, once this is over, guess what? That season can go into 10 to 15 seasons. And you blink and all of a sudden you're no longer married and, you, and your kids don't really know who you are, nor do they care who you are. That can happen. So what not to do, that was a painful experience that I learned the hard way how to, how yeah, to change what, that. Yeah. I mean, what not to do at home, right? When we, you know, one of Jeff's, one of Jeff's kind of stable go-to uh, statements is in around work-life integration. So it's not work-life balance, but it's work-life life integration. And making sure that you understand where, not only where you're going to spend your time and, and the different seasons, but you communicate. But, you know, talking about what you're communicating, I'll mm -hmm. tell you as an entrepreneur far too many times as I was building different uh, ventures, my, my wife and children absolutely knew beyond a shadow of a doubt where they stood. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't first. Mm -hmm. And that's something I can, I can never get back. But it's something that, challenges me and drives me moving forward to to ensure that they always do if if we can tell you from a personal aspect of pitfalls to avoid i think it is not taking that time i think it is not not personally connecting during this time for me i challenge myself to truly engage at home so i can remember why i'm going to go back in on fire the first part of the year so totally. the, the end of the year for me is a big dose of my why uh, and my why is you know not only leading and and you know growing leaders but predominantly leading and growing those those leaders in my home my children and and being here for for my wife so if we've got to make sure that we are present at home that's a big part of recharging and and maybe it's a partner for you like uh, you know a, a life partner uh, a spouse maybe it's your siblings maybe it's your you know, parents, maybe, maybe it's a, a friend family or adopted family, whoever it is, you know, those personal relationships deserve and require your attention during this time. But as a leader, most of the time, that means that we have two jobs professionally. We have the, the role that we do. I mean, in today's world, there are, until you get into very, very large organizations, there are not many career managers and, and career managers, meaning your number one job is to manage people. That's it. You don't have any individual contributor style activities or responsibilities in your role. That does not exist, especially at smaller companies. 
that most of the time there are the individual contributor tasks and responsibilities we have as employees, and then the management and leadership tasks we have as employees. So if we already have two roles professionally, and then you add any home component in, the hats that we have to wear, the, the responsibilities, the to-do lists can become debilitating. So if we need to be present because we have to recharge, if we need to be present because work-life integration is a thing, and we need to gift that same that you know that same opportunity to the people we're charged with leading then how do we set that up this holiday season as we move to the end of the year and and you know depending on the different the different you know the different religions or beliefs of the people that we are called to lead not everyone falls into the same dates so you know the the holiday season could start earlier and end later for a, a, a very diverse team so how do we plan for that and really, how do we communicate that? So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on kind of getting a, a at least an understanding of the climate of your team and that you're charged with leading and what their plans are? I'm not going to go into beliefs, but what their plans are, what's important to them as we move into the holiday season. Yeah, you nailed it with the word communication. It, it's it, And it's a very proactive communication plan to where when that work-life integration comes, I like to take it to the next level and create work-life harmony. And with music, because I love music and I love I love a great chord. You, when you strike a chord in music and the harmony is really powerful, it's because all parts know their part and their timing because they're literally on the same sheet of music. So in that analogy, why I prefer that is because I think, all right, so what's the sheet of music for my team and for my family? Because, you know, there's, there's a family life, there's, there's team life, there's leader life, there's financial, there's spiritual, there's all these other things that we have. And so when everybody knows the role they're playing and they know the same sheet of music and we're literally on that same page, then we can create harmony. Without that, with poor communication or no communication or on a page that's in my head but not really in, you know, in someone's hand, then we're just opening up the door and window for lots of problems lots of miscommunications, lots of, if you will, sharps and flats for any of you music geeks out there. But like, you know, Mm. the the chord doesn't strike and the harmony isn't there. So proactive communication, understanding, okay, what are the critical tasks that need to happen still? Who's owning them? By when? What are our contingency plans if X, Y, or Z happens? And C, I said Z, those are all always for my British friends. But because I've had a few that have said, I get the nod because Americans hear Zed and say, what are you talking about? But anyway, I digress. So if we have all that, all that coordinated well, and we know who, where the, who's owning what, and we have contingency plans, then you can have a little bit of space to know who's going to be doing what and when, meaning taking time off. And what are the expectations of a communication? And what if there is a fire? Do I reach out to you? Do I not? And am I available? Am I not? Both ways, both the leader and the individual contributors of the team. When this is all pre-communicated, well in advance, it, t- it reduces so much stress. Because at the, at the root of a lot of this is workaholic and workaholism, I'll say. An addiction. An addiction to work, an addiction to results, an addiction to perfection, an addiction to not failing fear of failure. But that fear is what drives us to continue to have 
those moments. It's what drove me in, the, in, in that story of I can't take time over the holidays. Now I can't take time away because I have a new boss. So I have to prove myself. Fear, 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 fear. So communicating all that proactively and getting clear as to what our motives are and what our priorities are help us to get a plan in place to let the holidays be awesome, to be energizing, to be empowering, to be full of gratitude and love and kindness and all the good stuff of the, of the world and of life versus fearful and scarce and tiring and exhausting and frustrating. And I'm a martyr now and all the stories, you know, all the things you shared as well. So that I just went off on a tangent because I get excited about that. But man, it's so critical to create a great communication plan proactively, nail your priorities, then get the communication back to each other so we know who's doing what and when. Yeah, so... I, I love that. And it's all, it, it's all about asking questions, right? I mean, when I, and I think I've shared this before, when I, when I first started my journey with management and leadership, I thought that it meant, you know, that the leader had to have all the answers mm -hmm. and then, you know, moving through now, it's all about just knowing the right questions, right? The, the progression to this asking questions and being curious as a leader is invaluable absolutely invaluable. So here's where I would look at the holidays as an opportunity to be curious, but to also make sure that it's a success both professionally and, and personally as a leader for you and your team. I start by asking questions individually and in team meetings leading up about my, the, the, the team that I lead and, and what their traditions are. You know, so what do you, you know, what do you typically do and do you have any family tradition or rituals? That, that are really important to you over the next couple of months. One, it helps me to start to understand more about uh, the people that I'm leading. Like, you know, do you guys do anything big for Thanksgiving? Is that a thing in your house? Like, what about religious holidays or end of the year celebration? Is that a thing? Is New Year's Eve, like some people, New Year's Eve is a giant thing. What are the other holidays that that are in there? Like, And, and I love it being more not just holidays or religion religious based or or spiritually centered but saying like what are the rituals or routines what are the family traditions if i can seek to understand now i can start to build a calendar of when people like one when people are, are are engaged outside of work two what's critically important some people be like i don't know man we drive over to my you know in-laws house and we kind of eat some turkey and then everyone goes home and thanksgiving i don't really care about uh, or we don't celebrate it at all. So there's a lot going on there that I can start to understand. But having those conversations build a, builds a deeper personal understanding, not only with the person I'm charged to lead, I can then ask follow-up questions and, and really start to understand them. And the team as a whole can start to understand one another. And this is when you have a diverse team, because now we can start to ask questions in a, in a space that is cur about curiosity and understanding, but also starts to tell us and give the opportunity for certain team members to go, hey, you know, I actually, and I don't, my family didn't do anything then. I don't care. And I know we've got this big initiative coming up. And, and you know, Sally, Jamie, Jeff, you know, I know that you guys, from what you've told me, have really kind of important family traditions then. Why don't you let me take this one? If we don't have those conversations ahead of time about what the holiday season, what that end of year uh, celebration looks like in, in rituals, routines, family traditions, you know, spiritual celebrations as a team, we don't, we steal 
opportunities for team members to support their peers, to to understand their peers, where they're coming from, tradition, and, and to have a little diverse understanding of, of what this season can mean to people who don't come from the same cultural uh, or religious right. background that they do. So this well is said. an opportunity that should not be missed. Mm-hmm. So well said. The only caveat I would say to that, which I agree with everything, is that if that person who is stepping up and saying, let me take this, isn't the person that's always doing that. Yeah. Right? It can be the inverse of what you shared before as the leader, mm-hmm. Richard. You know, If there's an individual of the team that says, no, I got this, and they're a very great people pleaser, and they want to be a good team player, if we're not careful, that can creep into resentment and an imbalance that's not healthy. So just be mindful of that. I, but I agree 100% with what you're sharing and think it's a great way to really unite and gel the team as well. It's really powerful when people step in for each other and it's really important to each other. So awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, seeking to understand, right? Like seeking to understand them and their traditions and, and really where their focus, because so much about this is I, I, I look for opportunities to avoid resentment because I think resentment is one of the things that is the hardest to come back from. Now, where does resentment build? When personally something is important and calling from your time and work professionally is calling for that same time. You will build resentment even if you haven't voiced or your, your team member will build resentment towards you and the company even if you haven't voiced the fact that that is important to you. So knowing that you as a leader that has a higher, you know, responsibility in communication, you're charged to ask the question. If the team members tell you that's a benefit, that's a bonus, you got lucky. If you don't ask and they don't tell, it's your fault, not theirs. Here's the other thing that most people don't think about. Your indirect employees. Now, what do I mean by indirect employees? The indirect employees that you have, the indirect team members, are the team members that don't get a paycheck. Not only do they not get a paycheck, they don't usually participate in the rewards, the acknowledgement, the celebrations that happen after a big push, after a season of more work than normal. Who are indirect employees? The family and loved ones of your actual employees. And I'll tell you, if resentment builds up with a life partner or a spouse or a child towards the company, and that employee is now having to defend the manager or the company at home, you're putting that employee in a very difficult place. So how do you avoid that? You seek to understand what's important to them and their family. You not only look to reward that and, and, and encourage that, make sure that they have it available, you defend it. Because the opposite of having someone at home that resents the company is having someone at home that loves the company, that's an indirect employee, that loves the manager, that if that team member even thinks about exploring other opportunities, that life partner, that child, that spouse, that sibling goes, what are you talking about? This company, you know, make sure that you're always here. They reward us. They, they know this person's, you know, favorite candy and they send it every Christmas or every Thanksgiving. They send us our favorite dessert from that really cool place that we went to that one year. You have an opportunity to engage your indirect employees here and at least at a bare bones minimum, ensure that you do not build resentment there, that they know that you 
value them and and their mental health and you know their family health as much as you value the individual employee. So take the time to understand the families, what's important to them, what time's important. Then once you have that understanding, get everybody on the same page to go professionally. Okay, great. That's really cool. Let's talk about what we as a team, we as a company have to get accomplished. And let's look at any downtime that may be a conflict between that and which teams are available and which teams aren't. But so start by understanding. You shared a ton in there. And I'm, sorry. I'm gonna break break no, it, it, they were good. I, I was gonna break you off a couple of times, but I was like, oh, it's too good, I can't. But but just notice the nuance of viewing the employee as the whole person with and that you're employing the whole family and their loved ones. Just that thought and realizing how can we be a blessing as a company to our teammates' families versus a burden? What can we do to be thinking about their needs as well. What other, like, I, I love that thought. I love for, I, I love the thought of winning them over through, through genuine care and authenticity and sincerity and just sensitivity really. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to find space and time for the family and, and for their priorities where we, where we can. Now I realize some might be listening to this and say, yeah, but you don't know our work and that's impossible. Maybe, but Maybe. I, I'd challenge you to say, look for ways to, to, to make that a reality. You know, there are some who are revenue driving individuals and teams and they look at holidays as the worst time ever because it's the end of the month and quarter and year. And they, they're just, they just know that's the case. Well, how about you hijack your brain and say, somehow magically things get done by the end of the quarter or year because of this date that we put on ourselves. Why don't you put on a new date? Like literally make it happen. One time I was mm-hmm. leading a team where we said, who wants to be home with their families for the holidays for once in your, in your sales career? And everyone's like, of course. So we said, let's create a new date. And if we beat the goal by this particular time, we're done for the rest of the year. And, it, and people kind of looked at me like, I think you're a little crazy and it might be a little extreme. And I thought to myself, it might be, but let's try it. Guess what, my friends? Magically, we beat the goal that morning and kept going that day and kept driving and kept driving. It was awesome. Then we had a plan in place to say, all right, let's have some people on the clock a little bit to be working and managing leads during the holidays so that when we come in in January, it's not completely dead. The problem was that system broke and the leads didn't follow through. And so we did have a bit of a dearth in January, but had that system worked, it would have been great. The, part, the, the point though was we created a different outcome because we declared that October 1st and just said, it's going to be different. So if, if you're in a place of, well, I can't because I challenge you to say, well, what would need to be true in order for that to occur? And go think differently and create holidays in a different, a different way versus being succumbing to, well, this is how it's always been and this is how it needs to be and this is just how people operate with deadlines. Maybe, but I believe deadlines are much more about our own mindset and how we communicate to the people we're working with and leading than, than it is the people we're leading and people we're trying to sell to or partner with or whomever. So yeah. Just, just I a, love what a you nice just little... challenge. I love that story. Go into your, go into your team and saying, "Hey, what, what would need to happen for us to just take the last two weeks of the year completely off, just to close down?" Now, to some of you, maybe you just threw up a little in your mouth. After you get past that, I want you to think about that. What Jeff did was say, "Here's a goal that if we hit, we can do this." 
my guess is that if he went to his team and asked that, the number would have been bigger than the one that he said. I've always known that to be true. When when I give a number to to a team, it's usually smaller than if I were to ask them. When I give a deadline, it's usually longer than if I were to ask them to do it. Hmm. Uh, now, then the role becomes pushing back a little bit, right? I would always rather pull people back than try to push them forward, mm-hmm. right? So saying like, is that really realistic to hit that? Like, I don't want to set a goal that we're going to fail, you know, before we ever, but the mindset of what needs to be true, what would need to happen for us to take the last two years off? What would need to happen for us to completely close down and feel good about it for the week of whatever, whatever it is that you're celebrating. Maybe it's in the summer. Maybe you're listening to this. You're like, I don't No one on my team actually cares about any holidays. Right. Fine. Do they care about summer? Do they care about travel? What, what are the things like we're talking about this in the fourth quarter of this year when it is very top of mind, right? What about the second quarter of next year? What about the third quarter of the year after? There are times that are important to your company, the people that you lead, and and how do we make sure that we can allow them to set really meaningful goals and then reward them, engage them, give them time off, give them, you know, what would need to happen for us to shut down for a week of the summer and for me to give everyone a $500 airline gift certificate? Boy. You want to see if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a leader, you want to see a company set some outlandish goals and self-manage on hitting those goals. You want to allow good people to step up and show you they're actually great. Challenge them. Let them, you propose the what would have to happen, allow them to challenge themselves and their peers. Now's an opportunity to do that too. So many opportunities in what Jeff just said on the mindset, the fixed belief. We're looking at this as a distraction. What if you just change and say, this is an opportunity. The end of the year holidays is an opportunity for me to get to know my team better, for them to get to know one another better, to build some bonding, to build some trust, for me to challenge them, to see who steps up, who rises to the challenge. Not only that, but then to reward them in a deep and meaningful way with what's important to them, not what's important to me. So good. So that's good. what fourth quarter should, should be about. That's what holidays should be about on any quarter. Yeah. And that's what I, I challenge each and every one of you as leaders to do. Not at the detriment of company goals. Get that out. What has to be true? Guys, we have to hit our goals. We have to do what we said we were going to do. We have to support the customer. What would need to be true in order for us to do that, but also take this week off? Yeah. Take next week off. Take two weeks at the end of the year off. That's where you come. Totally. I think it's important also to address cultural differences in in a very Western culture, high, hard driving Americans. I mean, think of this. I saw a meme one time. It was in uh, the summer months that I thought was classic Uh, out of office responder for a typical American. I'm out of the office having served that and I'll be down for 48 hours. But if you need me, here's my cell phone. And when I'm walking in the hospital, I'll give you a call back and like just super, super, super over the top. Yeah. And contrast that to a classic European out of office that you send an email, say middle of July. And the response comes back and says, I'm out fishing. I'm with my family for the next two months. I'll get back to you mid September done. 
right? No, hey, you got to text me here and call me here and in an emergency, maybe give someone else you can communicate to. But we culturally, I believe as, as Americans have an issue. And that issue is not knowing how and when to turn off and letting the creative functions of our brains really take over to mm. let ourselves rejuvenate and to become reinvigorated. Because from my probably biased opinion, I believe the European culture has it figured out. Guess what, my friends? They've been around a lot longer than the American culture has been. And somehow they're still healthy and thriving and their economies are strong and it's, it's all good. Now, I get I'm speaking generalizations, but I think there's something to be learned from a culture that, who knows how to rest and when to rest, who knows how to prioritize, who works to live, doesn't live to work. And, and we have some things, in my opinion, a little bit backward, which create burnout, which create fatigue, which create a whole bunch of fear and scarcity, which doesn't enable us to become our best versions of ourselves, both at work and at home. So this is all part of the conversation of how, how do we create that within our own minds and with our own teams versus always go, 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 go. And if you are the go, 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 go type, okay, I would just invite you to look at your life when you're 65 and, or 80 and the strong, healthy relationships you have with you. My guess is they won't be as strong as you may have liked them to be. Anything you take with you to the grave won't really go with you other than the love you have for your family. So I know it gets kind of deep and a little bit touchy-feely, but man, isn't it, isn't it worth that to have these deep relationships? And it comes down to how we manage our time and our priorities around these holidays. Here's another quick story. There's a song that my teenage son listened to one time and he came home and he's like, Dad, you're going to love this. And I was like, why? And he said, I just, the coach and you, I, I know you're going to love it. Well, he, I, I turn it on and I start listening to the lyrics and the lyrics talk about a strong business mogul who's done a lot of real estate and so forth. And the chorus goes like this. Now I'm going to butcher it. It says, it says, never made time for the family, but he was the richest man in the cemetery. Always made time for the company, but he was the richest man in the cemetery. And it's like, oh, just hits you in the mm. heart. You know, it's like, oh, but it's, I love the wording of it and, and the imagery and thinking, man, what, where, where am I investing my time? And through my actions, what is most important to me? Not what my words are saying, but my actions. And it's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's a good rude awakening. And that song was a great one. And I said, so wh why do you think I'd like that? And he said, I, I've just seen you strive to do this and you used to not do this and now you're doing it more and i think it's just a really good message and i was like all right so he acknowledged yeah i wasn't always that way and i did make more time for the company than i did for the family and and i've you know changed those ways and i've done everything i can to say i don't that's not the way to live i'm going to choose to do that differently so hopefully that'll inspire some of you that may be addicted to work the way that i have been the way that i still am to be able to learn how to break that a bit to balance, to create the harmony instead of being so wired and so driven because truly where it comes down to it, there's a fear. There's a fear of failure. There's a fear of loss and there's a fear of not being good enough. And when we open ourselves up to that fear, that's when we can start to really change and make the behavioral changes that we, that we want to make for long-term legacy. So 
again, another soapbox. I get super passionate about it, but I think it's a, a great way to think about it. It's important. It's important to think about it for yourself. It's important to think about it for your team. And, and where I would challenge everyone is what are your fixed beliefs? Where are your bias? Like, I, I don't want you to hear what Jeff just said and go, well, one has to win and one has to lose. If my family, if, if these things are winning, then the company can't hit its goals. I can't grow my team. I can't hit my quarterly, you know, targets. I, I just challenged that. How can you do it? Like what would need to be true in order for both to happen? That's Love the, it. that's the point. That's the point of so much in, in leadership is how do we do both? How do we, how do we, in addition to not in lieu of, how do we say what would need to be true? Not there's no way that can happen because what that leads to is figuring out where, where focus, where resources are going that maybe are a waste that maybe shouldn't happen, right? How do we prioritize what's truly important that will be a force multiplier in our company, in our teams, in our activities that not only would it have a bigger impact, it would likely take less time because we're focused on something uh, that's big and it would be more energizing. And if there's something you could do that has a bigger impact that takes less time, that's more energizing, and you take that gene, that attitude, that mindset, and you show up to your personal life in a better spot, more time, then I would argue that everyone's better off. And that's what I'm challenging you to figure out for yourself and for everyone who reports to you or your company this year, before the year. Do it now. Maybe you maybe you fail the first time. Here's a little, uh, here's mm -hmm. a little uh, sneak peek of your future. You're going to. You will. <laughs> but success is a horrible teacher. And if you try, it'll be better than it was last year. So try. Totally. Acknowledge what went well. Acknowledge what didn't. Fix it next time. If we better our best, we'll never stop growing. So better your best. Mike, that's a mic drop right there. That's beautiful. So <laughs> there you go. That's it. A lot of soapboxes this episode. But I'll tell you, if you make this holiday season or the next one, feel different, if you make your people feel special, feel important, if you make their families feel important, if you acknowledge to them that your their families and their friends and their loved ones are important to you, they will feel, feel differently about you, about the company, and that will build trust and loyalty. And there totally. will come a time where you will have to call on that trust and loyalty. Now is an opportunity that you will miss to build it, and you may not be able to not call on it later. So build it. Be different. Today's workplace, it's hard to find people. The tenure at a company is shorter. These are the things that will dictate how your company has two or three times the average employee stick rate than, than another company. Like why people don't leave? Because you care. You care. And it's not hard to, it's not hard to show that. So uh, do that, but prove to your team that you can care. You can focus at home. You can focus whatever it looks like personally and still hit the goals of your, of your uh, company and professionally. So that's, that's where I challenge you. That's what I hope you take from this episode. Uh, and that's about all I have to say about that. Well said and take action, mm. do it, change, do something. Uh, if you're still a little bit in the, I'm not so sure. And a little bit of a skeptic, 
just remember the a, a study that was done in 2019 that on average we look at our our phones 96 times a day how much distraction and time is sucked from our phones that's just on average by the way that was before the pandemic i bet you that number's higher so there are ways to do it and when we get prioritized and when we get really clear on beating goals and being with our family finding that genius of the end versus the tyranny of the oars jim collins says we can create tons of space and creativity and opportunities to make that end goal happen. So good stuff. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for always being with us. We, we, we appreciate you. We love you. Yeah, we just said it. And why do we say that? Because we love leaders. We love people that are, that are striving to do better and to bless the lives of other people. We know it's not easy. And it's why we feel super moved to continue to provide content and help you lead more powerfully and to feel ready to lead every day. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. I look forward to chatting on our next episode and happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.